you don't have to be big to be great. You don't have to be big to be to be excellent. You don't have to be big to be creating um, a wave. So success is really important as a box owner. What success is depends on you, but success is where you have the financial freedom to improve your service and invest. You know, um, for me, that's that's what success is. Anything that you like to do in your gym, you want someone else to do it. Fuck, put it on paper, leave it, come back next day, read what you wrote, adjust it again, do that five, six, seven iterations over, and then you're going to have a working document. We call that expectations. Hello and welcome to Gym World Worldwide. It is one of the only days below 70 degrees in South Florida, so I have long sleeves on, and I also have my partner, who's one street away, Mateo Lopez uh, apparently has some good heating in his house because he's wearing the kilo top for the cause. And joined, uh, joining us today is our very special guest, the founder of B-Rock, which is a holding company that consists of three large gyms. Uh, the most notable may be CrossFit Louvre. And uh, it's CrossFit Louvre 2 and CrossFit Louvre 3. So, uh, you know, if you heard of one, I guess you've heard of them all. Uh, he runs the French Throwdown, and he's also helping affiliate owners improve their business operations with a company called Operating with Excellence. It is none other than the man, the myth, the legend, Dan Chaffee. How are you? I'm good. Thanks, gents. Nice to, nice to, to hook up again, John, Matteo. Good to see you guys again. Um, thanks for the invitation. We had to remind him that we once went to a conference that he held in France <laughs> yes. uh, with with Chris Cooper. Um, I think there were probably about 400 gym owners there. And uh, Mateo and I gave a talk on marketing and we told people they should be charging $200 a month. And I believe we were booed off stage. It was just, uh, they, they couldn't believe it. Couldn't, couldn't believe it. I don't know about booed off stage, but I think their, their jaws dropped. and. Um... You'd given them different reference points, you know, their reference point was, you know, the only thing they'd ever seen was, you know, gyms that were like 60, 70 bucks. Um, so I'm just going to correct my camera here. Um, so to have guys come in and say, hey, you know, you guys should be charging 200. Um, and that's, you know, that's what your 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 service is worth um, was, a, was a game changer for some. Um, so you may not know it, but off the back of that, some gyms did increase their prices. They didn't, they didn't like double or triple their prices, but they, they were adding, you know, 20, 30, um, 40 bucks. Um, and, um, you know, none of those gyms regretted it. And to be honest, I was one of them. Um, so not, not in the Paris boxes, we're already charging a, I, I would say, um, a correct uh, monthly fee, but Bordeaux, being a provincial town and, you know, you think, oh, you know, you've got, you got probably got more, you got more cows and sheep, you know, close to the box than humans. Um, we, we were charging way, way too, too, too little. And um, so you did plant that seed of, hey, it's about time to, to move on. So I thank you for that. Um, I remember it differently. I definitely remember the guillotines coming out when we started talking about the six-week challenge. Well, as you were running to the airport. <laughs> yes. They, yes. They, they asked us, what what did we charge? I think at the time we were like 279 in New York City. And that was that was the end of the conversation. Um, yeah. I, I do remember two other things from that trip. The first thing is, I believe you picked us up or dropped us off at the airport in a pickup truck. And so um, that That's was right, yeah. also incre that was incredibly impressive. I felt at home, you know, just in an F-150 riding around in Paris was not what was, I was expecting. It was, yeah, it was a Dodge Ram, actually. It was a Dodge Ram 1.5. And it's um, <laughs> that was my baby. But I kept I, I, I had to I had to get rid of a bit, unfortunately, because France, the roads aren't really made for pickup trucks and the French don't particularly like them. So. Um, I was often, I mean, like every day I'd get people flicking me the bird 
um, as I drive past. Um, <laughs> as you, you drove know, over their Fiat, as just literally like their, raised their, up their over. Radios, yeah. and, taking um, up three parking spaces, perfectly centered. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm I'm not you know I'm not I'm not one that I you can't cancel people who don't care about being canceled. I say I don't really care about that, but the car parks in France just don't take pickup trucks, and um, so it was limiting what I could do in life. So I've I've had to I've had to um, to downgrade to um, to a Range Rover, unfortunately. Um, you are architecturally cancelled. Mm, Slamming yeah, it right. in the Range yeah. Rover. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the the mayors of Bordeaux and Paris decided that they would make my life my, my life very difficult. So. Um, yeah, I've had to I've had to go for a smaller a smaller edition. Yeah, and he's in like this. Re- if you're listening, he's in this like a regal uh, this red room that looks like you can only uh, get this color of paint from the 1800s. And there there's definitely like logs burning on a fireplace. I think he's drinking water out of a crystal glass, water or, v- or vodka. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> we'll, we'll leave that. Uh, you know, that could be. We'll leave it a mystery. Um, but but yeah, well, it looks like a yeah, crystal my, glass. My office- so it's very. My office does date from the 18th century, actually. Um, the the main part of the house is from the 18th century, and um, I don't know if the, if these walls were original, but it's um it's like a felt um, a tapestry all around the walls in, in my office. So yeah, it's probably probably um uh, at least 150 years old. So yeah, older than the three of us combined, I think. I took some art history classes back in the day. Taylor was a philosophy major. You know, I thought we would have gotten it within 100 and years. So I'm feeling, feeling pretty good about that. Running gyms, running crossfit gyms, good for you guys. So yeah, that was the 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 Dodge Ram uh, getting booed off stage, and then the third thing that was incredibly memorable about that trip was uh, eating croissants with Chris Cooper. Just being in France with Chris Cooper, who is just a fish out of water when you just take him out of rural Canada. Uh, spending three days there was just a um, it was incredible. A memory a memory I'll never forget. So thank you for that. That was such an insane talk. It wasn't my best work, I will say. I was I had a terrible cold. I missed my flight, first of all, because it was a twelve AM, twelve PM confusion. I was really sick. So you were twelve really hours late, late to your flight, basically. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it was twelve hours late. I was really sick of coming off of a cold. Thankfully I was starting to heal up or get better by the time we got to France. But like I'm falling, John and I are going over slides on the train and I'm like falling asleep. John (laughs) also had a uh, bit of a, mm, how would you describe it, John? Adventure in Portugal three days before. So yeah, it was a, uh, it was a, it was an epic uh, and stressful uh, trip, but, but yeah, I'm glad people raised prices after that. After you guys came, the next year we were in trouble. We were like, well, how can we, how can we outdo that at the affiliate gathering? And the only way we could was um, it was the year we managed to get um, Greg uh, over. So Glassman came over the year after, and um, so it was the only way we could outperform what, what had been done that year with you guys and, and Chris Cooper. So yeah, that's why we didn't get invited back. Greg Glassman took our spot. You know, he he told everybody to lower the price. He went back. <laughs> He's gonna give it away for free. No, no, he wasn't. no, no. I mean, Greg was all about Greg was all about charging the right right amount and understanding our value, right? As as um, CrossFit box owners and and the impact we have on people um, and charging the right price for that. So, yeah, very much aligned, I think. So while we could spend a year talking about felt paint, art history, the finer things, this isn't a podcast about culture. This is a podcast about making money in the fitness industry, and uh, and. Daniel, you were at the games this year. We saw you there, uh, spoke briefly, listened to your talk. Um, but the thing that caught my attention, made the hair on my arms stand up, 
and uh, made me want to get you on the show was uh, there were there were some rumors circulating around about how many members your boxes have. Um, maybe maybe what what is the count? What is the actual number? I want to hear it directly from you. So Louvre one in adult members, and, and what I call a member is someone who's who's on um, direct debit, so monthly. It's billed to bank. It's not uh, cash payments, ten pass cards, all that kind of stuff. For me, they're not. I don't count them as members. Um, my membership is what gets sent to the bank at the beginning of the month, and that's my. It's one of the most important KPIs um, as a as a as a business owner. Um, so Louvre One is um, just under the December. We, we we go backwards slightly. Um, is just under one thousand four hundred um, members. And then uh, Louvre 2, which is here in Bordeaux, which is our second box, which opened uh, December 2014. Um, so that's coming up for 10 years now. Um, we've got 900 adult members. Um, in Louvre 2, we've also got like um, just under 100 teens and kids um, who are, who are um, um, uh, debited uh, monthly from their, their, their parents' uh, bank accounts. And then Louvre 3, which opened three months before COVID, so end of 2019. Um, so we, we obviously had two openings, basically, um, and two years that were closed. Um, that's, that's really storming. That's in Paris, and that's another 900 adults. Um, and we've got 70 teens and kids there. Um, so, yeah, that's the, those are the numbers. So using a calculator, because I needed one. Give or take a few, 3,200 adult members, yeah. Yeah, and if you add in the kids, for those of you at home, that's 3,370, according to my calculator, which... Is insane. That's probably. Do you, are you the largest? Is there anybody? Is there any chain of CrossFit gyms that that is larger that you know of? I've, I've never. Uh, I, I don't know if we are. I've never really compared or, or, or looked at. I. I mean, um, for me, being the largest isn't the most important thing. It's operating to your capacity, um, and we're still not there yet. You know, we're still, we're still always every single day, every single week, every single month. We're looking at. Um, you know, what can we do better? Where, where can we, where can we serve more people? Um, so I, I, I don't know if we're the biggest, if we are, then, then great, you know, pin a medal on me or, you know, it doesn't really mean that much. It's classic. It's always the person who's the biggest. Oh, being the biggest isn't that important to me. It's, it's always the ones who are the it's biggest who I mean, say that. You know, uh, there's, there's a really good book, um, uh, small companies, uh, being great or something, or you don't, it's, it's about, you don't have to be big to be great. You know, you, you don't have to be big to be, to be excellent. You don't have to be big to be creating um, a wave. Um, you know, you, you can you can choose to. It's, it's kind of what I try and tell box owners when we're presenting to them or or, or, or consulting for them is um, knowing the numbers for Louvre isn't about who's got the biggest, you know, the biggest todger, right? That's not um, because it might not be the right um, model or, or, or business model for 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 certain box owners. You know, you may be running a box where 150 members is right, or 250 members are right, or 300 members are right. Uh, it's just that my business model is we've got high rents, we're city center for Paris, so the rents are high. And that means either we're charging 250 bucks a head, or we're learning to serve more people and make it a little bit more accessible for people uh, financially. And we've chosen the, the, the slightly more, I, I won't say it's, it's accessible to everybody because obviously, you know, as soon as you go over like a hundred bucks a month, you're not, you know, you're not, you're not going to be serving everybody in, in, in the community. Um, but we, we, we've, we've gone for middle ground. Um, and our goal is to, our goal is to serve as best we can those that choose to, to come with us. Um, and, uh, and to make sure that we're viable doing it right. And make sure we're making money and we can reinvest. Um, so the number of members for me is just a means to an end. 
you know the more members you can serve and the, and 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 the fairer the price um the better you can re- reinvest back in and 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 then everything comes from there you can give better service you can you can you can pay your coaches better you can train it so so um the number is is not it's not the most important thing it really isn't i agree and i'm trying to figure out what the price is but the problem is i only speak american and so you this is French. all in, you won't in, find it on the website Oh, all right. So, so about to get some inside information. What are, what are these 3,300 people paying? So um, Paris, they're paying between 130 and 200 euros a month and Bordeaux, they're paying between 85 and hundred euros a month. So Bordeaux is still cheap, but we're 20 bucks more or 20 euros more than any other gym in Bordeaux. So we're, we're the most expensive gyms in Paris and the most expensive gyms in, in, uh, in Bordeaux. Um, we're not the fanciest. We don't, we're not the glitziest. You know, we don't have, um, you know, uh, amazing neons as you walk in and, you know, it's not, yeah. But if you want to come and you want to come and, and do CrossFit in city center in 300 year old buildings um, with level three coaches, then we're the place to come. Um, that's basically it. You, know. you don't, you don't have those hexagon lights that uh, every influencer gym has. This is, this is what every gym looks like now. Every new yeah, gym, right. you have that's to right. have these no, lights. Our, local, our, our nearest, our nearest the, the box nearest to us has exactly that. The box nearest to us has exactly that in Paris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I think it's pretty cool. I think it's pretty cool. And how do you service all these people? Well, um, you work out how to get very smart with your, your square meters. Um, you, you, your biggest fixed cost is your rent. It's as simple as that. So like uh, Louvre 1, we pay 42,000 euros a month rent. And that's like fifty thousand dollars a month rent. Yeah, wow. So every single square meter is just money. You know, I look at I look at a a, a square meter of flooring, and I see I see a hundred bucks leaving me every single month. You know, it's like it's like my my eyes are my eyes are bleeding. Um, so we don't have office space. You know, um, we don't have we have a very small storage uh, space. Um, we don't have uh, changing rooms for the staff and all this kind of stuff. It's literally like. Of of the square meters we have, ninety five percent are accessible to our members. You know, it's it's literally and and of that, the vast majority of those square meters are workout square meters. You come down the stairs, the bottom of the stairs is not it's not the bottom of the stairs. It's part of the workout space. You know, it's, it's literally that's how valuable square meters are when you're paying a high rent. Um, and it's easy when you're in big spaces. So Louvre two is very different. You saw it's like one thousand two hundred square meters. It's a rectangle. It's easy to operate. You can get lazy in a in a box like that, you know, and you can give your members, you know, ten square meters each, and you can have people doing open gym for five hours a day. In Paris, at, at forty two thousand euros a month, um, that's not a luxury you can afford. So you have to be very smart in using your your uh, your space, which we're really good at with our head coaches now. So our head coaches would always brief. Um, they give the programming a week ahead to all the coaches. Um, the night before for the next day, they do a video. They explain the placement of the equipment they want for the workouts on each of the different areas. Um, uh, they review lesson plans with the coaches and they say, okay, so if you've got, you know, if you've got this many members, so we see that, you know, uh, workouts at 630, they're packed. You've got 24 people with 24. You're going to be doubling up here. You'll be using it like this. Um, the 11 a.m. You've only got 10. You can afford to. So we're, we're very good at maximizing the use of space. Um, and then you've got 60 minutes. And um, we invest heavily in our head coaches who invest heavily in our coaches. A, because it's good for the coaches, but above all, it's a win-win. The more efficient your coaches are and the best they give in the 60 minutes, shit, your members are getting value for money. 
You know, they come in and they're getting, they're getting, you know, they're getting a really good quality session in 60 minutes. Um, and, and that's what we have to ensure that we're giving every single hour of the day. Um, and so we do, we, we have classes from like 6.15 until 10 p.m. Um, in, in Louvre 1. Louvre 2 is, um, is 6, uh, sorry, Louvre 3 is 6.30 until uh, 9.30. Um, cause it's a, it's a, it's a businessy area. It doesn't have so much in the, in the evenings and at nights. Um, and, um, yeah, we, we have a lot of sessions, um, and we have, so the, the, the box isn't big, but we have four different workout areas and you'll have a 6.15 and you have a 6.30, you have a 6.45 and you have a seven o'clock, which means that you're offering more opportunities to people to book in You offer It's like, you know, I need to drop my kid off at 8.30, which means I can be there at 8.45. Well, that's great. There's a session at 8.45. You don't have to wait until nine. So it's even that, that bit more efficient. Um, but to do that, you've got to be able to afford to pay your coaches to give that many sessions, right? So if you're giving 28, 30 sessions a day, you got to pay 28, 30 sessions a day. So again, we come back to, you know, having enough members and charging enough to in, in order to be able to give that sort of service and give that sort of choice. Um, so, you know, and we didn't, we didn't go from having one session a day to having 30 sessions a day. Um, you know, um, yeah, you got some, some images from the box there and, if you're watching um, online, I'm scrolling through some pictures so you can get a look at what uh, fifty thousand a month no gets idea. you in Paris. No idea where you got those. I mean, it's a it's a basement, right? We're in a minus one and a minus two. We've now got the the ground floor where we've got reception, but we didn't have a reception for we didn't have a reception until 2018. Um, we How high are these ceilings? Um, not not that high. Um, you, we've we've got one spot for doing ring muscle ups. We've got one spot in the whole in the whole box to do ring muscle ups. Um, so, you know, the open is interesting, you know, we have to, we have to take whoever's doing, you know, um, RX that's, yeah, that's the minus one. That's the minus one. The spot for doing the muscle ups under the stairs there. You can see it, right? Uh, top left. Oh, I see <laughs> like, so you, see, you see, this is, this is, this is an old post. This is an old picture when we open. You see, that was our reception desk at the bottom of the stairs. That's it's, it's in the workout yes. space. You know, there was, there was no reception. There was nothing. It was, it was, so now all that's moved upstairs cause we took the, we took the ground floor from the store. Um, but again, you know, the, um, being successful enabled us to take the ground floor and to extend and gain more, more square meters, you know, and, and, and give more comfort to our, to our members and give more comfort to our teams. Um, so success is really important as a, as a, as a, um, as a box owner. You, 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 yeah. What success is depends on you, but success is where you have the financial freedom to, to, to improve your service and, 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 and invest, you know, um, for me, that's, that's what success is. So one of my other questions about this is like, when we talk to other gym owners, like obviously retention is super important. And a key strategy mm -hmm. for a lot of people we work with is being able to communicate with your members outside of class, you know, having yep. um, check-ins with them at the desk and say, you know, Hey, what are your goals? How have they changed? Whatever. And checking in with them repeatedly, taking them out for coffee, whatever. How do you do that when you have a thousand people? I can barely talk to like, the five people I normally talk to in my life. How do you do that when you have a thousand members? You have to be doing check-ins with, follow-ups with, um, you know, retention texts with. That's it's a really good question, right? I mean, that for me is it, it's what is scalable, right? What in what you want it. So when I when I was running the gym, when I started the gym, uh, literally just uh, me and my ex-wife, right? Um, and so what I was doing as a coach and what she was doing, doing everything else. I mean, everything I didn't want to do. So I was doing programming and I was doing all the coaching and all the onboarding and that kind of stuff. She was walking them in, making them coffee. You know, she was doing the, she was doing the, 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 uh, the needs analysis. She was setting the memberships. She was basically onboarding them outside of everything that I would I'd do in induction. 
um, she was organizing the, the parties and, and all this kind of stuff. Okay, so how can we, we're doing that with 150 people, that's great. But unless you wanna be slave to your box, you gotta, you gotta understand what it is you're doing, what's scalable. What can someone else reproduce and do, and do in your stead? As a, as a coach, but also at reception. So now we have full-time reception teams. When we started, it was just one-on-one. -on -one. one person coaching, one person welcoming. That was the team, it was the, the duo. Um, now we have four full-time reception staff in every box. We have a full-time head coach in every box. And we have um, the, the, the um, Louvre one, we have 15 uh, coaches that live just from coaching in our box, plus the head coach. It started just me and my ex-wife, right? So um, you write down, what does good look like? What is it you wanna be doing with your members in order to, to attain them, right? Well, what is it you wanna be doing with your prospects, first of all, in order to get them in the door on a trial session? What is it you wanna be doing when they walk through the door? How do you wanna welcome them? How do you wanna be interviewing them and, and, and doing the needs? Write all these steps down. What does good look like? Once you've got it written down, you can then hope to, if you find the right person, share those expectations with someone and train them to fulfill them. That's the key. So today, we have reception staff doing what Sophie was doing, which is every member gets a birthday call in the morning. Hey, it's your birthday. Really? It's like, how many gyms call their members on their birthday to wish them a fucking happy birthday and say, Are you, you're coming in, right? You've got to make sure that every, every, every dude and dudette in your class is doing burpees, right, for your birthday. What time are you going to come in? You hadn't booked a class? What class do you want me to book you in for? You've got to come in and work out on your birthday. It's the best gift you can give yourself, right? So that call happens every single day. Why? Because that's what we're doing when there were just two of us, you know? Um, so that happens in the three clubs. And then um, people that don't come in for, for two weeks, you know, we're hitting them up. How's it going? We haven't seen you for a while. We hope you're okay, you know. Um, service calls on, on new members. So we do a 15-day call, a 30-day call, and a 60-day call. Those are happening. Why? Because it, they were really good when we were just a two-people team. Um, what do you say when someone walks through the door? What are the expectations? Uh, we have the 10, 10, 10. First 10 seconds, lift your head. Eye contact, smile. If you know them, use their name. If you don't know them, walk around the friggin' reception desk, go and shake their hand, say hi to them, welcome them. Introduce yourself, get their name. Ask them how you, can, how you can help. All that stuff is down in expectations. That's the way you can scale anything. Anything that you like to do in your gym, you want someone else to do it, fuck, put it on paper, leave it, come back next day, read what you wrote, adjust it again, do that five, six, seven iterations over, and then you're gonna have a working document. We call that expectations. And then basically we give those expectations to everyone in the, in, in the company. So anyone working at reception, in turn, um, someone's gonna be selling memberships, um, uh, head of reception, intern for a coach, a junior coach, a coach, a senior coach, a future leader, a head coach, a director, all of these roles have expectations. Um, and it comes from what we think excellent look, looks like. So if you have four uh, people, four reception, uh, you know, people, do they each have 250 that they're responsible for in no. terms of members? Does each, no. oh no, it's just, it's no. just everyone's in charge yeah. of all thousand people. He has 1400 flashcards at the desk. And if you want a job, right. you better, you better be able to go through that desk well, that's what I'm and not asking. miss a that's single person it's, and you, you better know, know their birthday. Yeah. <laughs> one of the, one of the things I find is that people really underestimate what the reception role is. And they go, oh, you, you got full-time reception. It's like, really? You know, is that necessary? It's like shit, you know, it's a profession. You know, building an environment where people feel safe, welcome, and safe isn't about physical safety. You know, we're not we're not in we're not in Afghanistan. You know, we're we're in France. You know, of course you you know you of course you you should be physically safe, right? Otherwise, the government's doing something wrong. Um, it, it's it's about psychological safety. It's about walking in and finding friendly people. You feel welcome. You know, you know you're at home. You know you can be yourself. You know, you can strip off the role of boss, brother, son, 
lover, disgruntled husband, whatever it is, right? You can you can you can take all that away. Building that environment um, is is something you can you can you can plan for. Um, and so you're saying about how how do you do that with one thousand people? You know, is it two hundred fifty people each? No, I had this conversation with a new guy. So I was, I was in Paris on Wednesday and spent uh, onboarding a, a, a new kid on onto reception, and um, he he was like. Shit, you know, it's, it's 1,400 members. I said, yeah. I said, you know, learn, learn 10 names today. 10 names. That's your job, you know. I don't want you doing anything. I don't want you, I don't want you making phone calls. I don't want you answering phone calls. I don't want you um, uh, selling membership. I don't want you doing anything. I just want you, to, as someone walks in, go and shake their hand. Introdu- you're the new guy. Say, hey, I don't know you. I've just arrived here, you know. Like, like you're looking to make friends. First day at school, your first term in school, what do you do? You go and get to know people, right? And after six months, you will know the 1,400 people. And if you don't, you've done something wrong. So that's the beginning of everything. Um, why? Because if you don't know their name, that's, you have no proximity with anybody. And proximity is one of the key ingredients to trust. And to build a community, you have to have trust. So that's fundamental. And people are oh, you know, yeah, I'm not good with people. Well, you need to fucking get good with people. Because this is about people. This is about developing better human beings. You can be the best technician, the best coach, and the, uh, or the best technical coach, and have you can be level four, you can be level seven, you can be Yoda master, whatever you want to be. If you're not good with people, you're not going to last in this profession. You you will not be successful. You know, that's that, that's fundamental. So yeah, uh, how to do it with a thousand people? One person at a time, one conversation at a time. You know, and be sincere. Look look someone in the eyes and really give a fucking shit. You know, and then make an. And if you're not good with names, give them a nickname. Say hey man, you know. John, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm really not good with names, but you, you look like my neighbor, Derek. So if I call you Derek, is that cool? You know, you know, you know find something, right? And then, hey, Derek, how's it going? You're like, my name's fucking John. Yeah, I know, John, but hey, you're Derek to me, man. You know, it's like, whatever it is. If you're not good with names, try and become good with names or find, you know, or, 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 or find some sort of, you know, some sort or of- Or just uh, embrace it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, man, I, I, suck, I suck at names, yeah, but I, I do love you. <laughs> you, yeah. you with the ugly face, ugly face. <laughs> yeah. And we got an F-bomb out of Daniel. He said he was going to be in his best behavior, but there hey, it was. We it got, his about, first, we it got the first one. It took about 15 minutes. It took about 15 minutes. It's Friday <laughs> night. Man, we get better on a Friday night. Yeah. Well, I know your brain is, uh, is, is juiced, Mateo, because what Daniel's saying is a very similar operating environment to what um, Mateo and I experienced. And, and, and Mateo ran our New York gym for we, we we operated out of New York City, and we operated in a space that had what were the eleven foot ceilings? Tail ten foot ten and a half. I yeah, think. we barely was, got the wall ball. We like the wall ball touched the the ceiling just about. Um, and, and the same thing we didn't we didn't have a reception area. Like you walked into the gym, and it was a nightmare when you had like two people wanting information in the middle of the class. And we had to we couldn't do structured programming. We had to write our own, and we had to draw pictures of where everything went. And we had to buy shorter barbells because the longer barbells, uh, you know, we'd have to cut one person That's out of we class. Got, we, got the, we got the rogue bars right from regionals. That's it, you know, um, like fifteen yeah, or twenty seconds. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's money. And so I do think, you know, a lot of people will tune out when Daniel's talking about that if you're in some larger market with cheaper real estate, but he's just telling you how to make, get more profitable, right? This idea of, of, 
you know, space efficiency, I think is something that a lot of CrossFits can learn from because you can still do CrossFit. Like if you go to CrossFit Louvre, I'd imagine it looks and feels like CrossFit. You said you hire L3 people. So they, they wouldn't work there if it probably wasn't CrossFit. Um, but like the barbells are a little shorter. You can't have five different movements in one workout as like a chipper with 30 people in a class. And, um, but, but it allows you like, it's a more profitable model. Like it, in, in New York or San Francisco or Paris, you have to do that out of necessity because your rent's 50 grand. Um, but even if you're in a, in a suburban market, like applying those same principles can allow you to go into a better space. So a, a more highly trafficked space or a cheaper space, which means you take home more money. And that is something we are all about here. Uh, one of the things I want to talk more about is front desk because we cheaped out on this in the beginning and that was a huge mistake. Um, you know, same thing, no reception area, just come down, there's a desk and um, kind of like a, a very intimidating, uncomfortable situation when we were operating. And, and one of the things that we found is like front desk paid for itself so quickly, um, like like unbelievably quickly. Once we got it dialed in, we mishired a few times and made all the mistakes that you can make, you know, starting that new position out. Um, but like there's still uh, I'd say probably the vast majority of CrossFit boxes don't have any like structured person there to greet you or if you're new off the street to make you feel comfortable or to just make sure your existing members feel comfortable. Um, is this like how how do you go about coaching people who who don't have that? Do you think it's a necessity? At what point in your journey do you add that? Like, um, how should how should coaching gyms, especially in this large group coaching model, uh, think about adding a front desk person? It, it depends on where you are now, right? Um, I think there's there's huge value in having someone at front desk, even if it's just a part timer. I'd say if there's no variable that that dictates what you have to do right now, um, start with a part timer. Um, picture key times, Monday, Tuesday evenings between 5 and 7 p.m., I guess would be most cities or most places like key times. Um, get them to come in half an hour, an hour earlier. Why? So they can answer all um, uh, incoming correspondence or you know they can set appointments and all this kind of stuff and then set the appointments for the time that they're there, right? So you know that Mondays and Tuesdays between 5 and 7, they'll be welcoming people into trial sessions or, or not. You can, you can do presentations without trial sessions, right? Um, and and you'll increase your your new members, you'll integrate better your 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 new members because they'll be getting service calls and that kind of stuff, um, and you'll also be giving more service to your members that are coming in to wait for the next class, and your members that come out of the class, right? Because if you've got the same coach taking like the five pm and the six pm, who's who's having that five minute chat with them, you know? And uh, how do you how do you like that? How do you, hey did you did you stretch a bit? Hey, did you grab a firm wall. Reception, right? That's it. You know, you, would you like a coffee? You want a coffee? That kind of. So it's like you know, creating that environment where it's like um, it's a living space. You know, the, the the box is the box is a place to you know. You don't come in, do your class, and then fuck off home. You know, you're welcome to stay. You can do that, right? And that's one of the advantages of of, of CrossFit in the inner city is that it's super efficient, right? You know, cash rich, uh, time poor people. You know, they want something that's efficient. But when you have someone at reception, it gives you that luxury to create that environment. It also gives you that luxury when someone does walk in. So, you know, the amazing walk-ins, right? You, you don't have an appointment. Someone just walks in like, ah, you know, they, they've got Christmas in their eyes. You know, they, they, they want to join a gym, but they don't know which one to join sort of thing. And you're coaching. And you're stuck between a walk and I'm, I'm coaching class here. And then, and then there's this, this The nightmare this scenario. There's new money like, over there. Well, you know, this guy, I want to help him, but I don't want to neglect my class either, you know? And if I neglect my class, I'm sending these guys the wrong message. And I'm also telling him that I'm not really that good in giving service to my members. So what do I do? Um, 
And so you, 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 when you have a when you have a reception person, it kind of alleviates that too. Um, and then, um, I mean, and if you don't have a reception person, what I would say is at least have a guest register. And so I, you know, um, this is what I recommend to people. Say I, I can't afford to hire someone, and I'm always coaching. So all these people come in, and they say they, they're going to come back, and they never come back. It's okay. Then put put a guest, guest register is literally just a, an Excel spreadsheet in in. Um, uh, what would you call it? Not not in not in portrait, but in the other. Uh, uh, it's in, in lengthways, right? And it's and it's it's columns. It's sort of time. It's got a um, a name, surname, postcode, telephone number, and then a column for us on admin. And it's got like twenty lines. And and you put the date at the the top. You fill out the first line so that whoever walks in is not going to be the first person to fill it out. And also they've got an example of how to fill it out correctly. And that's at your reception area, right? And you reception. I don't have a reception area. Put a box at the entrance to your, who gives a fuck? That's your, call it a reception area, call it whatever you want. Put a box with that on it and, and a pen. Everybody that walks in your box who is not a member will fill that out. Why? Because this is a club, this is a private club, members only. And if you want to step inside and you want to tour and you want information on it, just, you know, I need to know who's inside, who's inside this personal, this is a private space, who's in this, this private space. It's, it's called a guest register. You can use code if you want, you know, I need to have a tracking, whatever it is. Um, but don't even try and just, just say the guest register then. So if you're coaching and this guy comes in or this girl comes in and wants to, hey, sorry, you know, um, I'm, I'm coaching right now. What's your name? I'm Daniel. Nice to meet you. Um, you, you need some, some information, right? Okay, that's great. So you're looking to train. Fantastic. I'm sorry. I can't take care of you right now. But if you can put your name and number there, and as soon as I finish coaching, I'll call you and we can set a time where it's good for you and good for me. How does that sound? That sounds great. Sorry. Your name is John. John, nice to meet you, Daniel. Thanks very much. Boom. And you go back to coaching. You just make sure out of the corner of your eye, the guy's filling it out. And then he walks off. And you've taken control. You're not hoping the person walks back in. And then as soon as you have finished uh, coaching and your members have left, you take the guest register and you're calling every friggin' person on that guest register and you set appointments. Um, those are just simple processes that can really help. Um, and then when you have a guest register and you have a full-time receptionist, your guest register is still there. It's your safety net because even though you have a receptionist, you can welcome the prospect in, you can do a meet and greet, you can do the icebreakers, you can do the brief overview, you can do the needs analysis, you can then do the personalized tour, you can present your class timetable, you can present the options, you can go for the close, you can overcome objections, you can join them. But if they decide not to join on the guest register, you've still got their details so that you can follow them up. Um, the guest register is a game changer. But you have to be, there's nothing, there's nothing uh, complicated in the guest register. It's friggin' simple. And that's why I like it. And it really fucking works. And the other thing on the guest register is every single box that I get to put in the guest register, they're astounded at the end of the first month at how many prospects they actually have coming into the box. They're like, oh, I, only, I, thought we, I thought we closed everybody. You know, I thought we only had seven prospects and I made seven new members. All of a sudden I realized I got 30 prospects and I'm only making seven sales. That means shit, there's 23 people that are coming into the gym and walking out and they're not joining the gym. Okay. So now we know we need to get better at setting appointments. We need to get better at touring them. We need whatever it is. But the guest register is the beginning of that. Um, yeah. yeah. Hope that under, helps as well about reception. If you can't afford to have someone, at least put in a guest register, right? And a tip we learned from our buddy Jack Wheeler, that was something we implemented later on that uh, if, if you do this, if you can't afford a receptionist yet, but um, you, know, you want to get people oozing with good feeling, if you're in a basement, the stairwell down to your basement is a great area for marketing. So you should be plastering social proof and pictures of happy people doing workouts on the way down. Something that costs like a couple hundred dollars, but is, uh, you know, makes a completely different 
first experience. And then same thing, if you just have a little box with a sheet on it that people sign in, which was what we did, we did that. We did the same thing for two years, which um, again, in a high traffic space, that makes no sense. Like a front desk person pays for himself. But again, if you're, you're not in a high traffic space near that box, there should be some photos of people happy, smiling, looking good, social proof. If you got it, um, just something that uh, will make you more money guaranteed. Oozing with goodwill. I like that. You're oozing yeah. with goodwill. Nice expression. <laughs> the other thing from the, our conversation with Jack Wheeler is that he was able to turn um, the front desk position into a money-making position right away because he had them, you know, he has a smoothie program. So people purchase smoothies. And so the front desk person, when they're, they have downtime there, they can make, uh, they can make smoothies for people and they're making money that way. So that was one of the big challenges we had was you know uh paying this person enough so you could get a quality front desk person um but also you know struggling with the fact that, well i'm i'm pay- all i'm paying my coaches like 30 40 dollars an hour i would struggle to justify that i think people struggle to justify that with their front desk staff because they don't value that position the same way right away um, and especially when you're in a high cost of living area, like we were in New York and like you are in Paris, um, paying them enough so that, you know, it's worthwhile for them, but also, you know, uh, struggling to pay that rate when you're, you know, just struggling to grow at first. I think that was the, that was the, the rub for us. So, um, how did you overcome that? I think a good reception, a good receptionist pays for themselves a hundred times over. Um, a bad receptionist who does things worse than you do um, will cost you money. Um, but that's like anything. You, you, you shouldn't be delegating anything if the person you delegate to in six months' time will not be doing it better than you. So why don't I coach anymore? Because all the coaches that are being delegated to are coaching better than me. Why don't I work at reception? Is because all my receptionists, except for the newbies, because you've got to go through the running curve, right, um, will be doing those tasks better than I could, you know. Um, and, uh, so that's the goal. First of all, um, second thing is if your receptionist is good with people, your receptionist believes in CrossFit, your receptionist knows how to sell. Don't try and recruit someone who knows how to sell. Recruit someone who likes people and understands CrossFit, understands the benefit of CrossFit. Recruit someone maybe whose life has been changed by CrossFit. And then they're a real believer because selling is basically just a transfer of enthusiasm, right? If they're seriously enthusiastic about CrossFit, they'll sell you memberships. Then give them some sales scripts, give them some sales training, you know, give them some Brian Tracy to read, give them, you know, all that kind of stuff, right? Um, send them on sales courses, you know, teach them uh, NLP, uh, all that kind of stuff, right? Um, but if they can sell, man, you know, um, if they can, if they can, if, you, if your box can have three more members at the end of the month with you employing that person and the average membership lifetime value, uh, you know, is, is 1,005, 3,000, whatever it is. You can calculate that, right? That's easy to calculate. How many more members do you need to have at the end of the month in order to justify having a full-time position? It's as simple as that. That's it. And then you get to a certain point where you may not be growing anymore, but you know, like for me, I, I don't want to grow anymore. I, I don't want more than 1,400 members in, in, in opera in, in Paris, it's Louvre one. Um, but I want to maintain those 1,004. I want to give the best service possible. So I don't have the full-time receptionist to grow. I have it to maintain the 1,004 and to make sure that they're as best served as possible. So the reasons for having a full-time receptionist will evolve over time. Initially, it's going to be to help you 
have more time, A, for you to work on the box as opposed to in the box. It'll also be a way for you to help you grow and so on and so forth and so forth. But it pays itself. When you have the right person, it pays itself 50 times over. So to close out on the front desk thing, because it sounds like we're in agreement there, step one, sign-in sheet. Step two, make sure everyone's actually filling out the sign-in sheet. Step three, if there are more people than you thought you had in terms of prospect, figure out what the value is on that sheet. So let's say you close one out of every four people you walk in, you got eight on that sheet and that weren't there before when you weren't doing that process. That means you got 2000 bucks a month to dedicate towards the front desk. If you spend a thousand, that's an extra thousand in profit. Um, so we'll call that the, the on-ramp. So you mentioned that Louvre has... 15 people that rely on the gym to live. And uh, I'm guessing you probably got an, yeah. And you got another 20 or 30 in your other boxes. Is that fair to assume? Yeah. I got, at the moment, the the company is 49, 49 people across. um, So the French showdown, um, I don't have anyone full time on operating with excellence. Everyone who intervenes on that, uh, um, leaders in the, in the boxes. Um, So yeah, it's uh, 40, 47 people uh, across the three gyms in, in total, yeah. Yeah, so that's a that's a mid-size organization by, uh, I mean, small for like, you know, publicly traded standards, but it it is, you know, uh, you got to know how to hire, you got to know how to fire. Um, for something we ran into a lot was we were in a high cost of living area. And even though we paid well for CrossFit, it was still very difficult to get enough people to make a livable wage in the most, like the most expensive city in the U.S. Um, can you talk to us, like, what's a livable wage in Paris, and and how do how do you pay these people? You need to understand also that the the systems between the U.S. and France are very different, right? So, for example, in France, your your education is totally paid for. You know, you can go to university without paying for it. You don't have to pay your kids university or secondary school. Um, all your healthcare is taken care of. You have a retirement, you have a pension, you have a, you, you, you know, there's no, I think in the U S you have a 401k or whatever, whatever it's called in France, that's done by the government. Right. Um, and so, um, what it costs. So for, for me to pay someone say 2,500 bucks a month, um, it will cost me over 5,000, uh, bucks in revenue for them to then, it's not even take home 2005 before they pay their, their personal income tax, right? Um, and all the other 2005 goes to the government in different guises. Um, uh, employment costs, uh, national insurance, um, uh, healthcare costs, it just, just, just disappears. So it, it, it's, very, it's very different. In the US, you'll, you probably have, um, I know most states have um, lower contributions from companies. Um, the take home is larger, but you guys then have to take out private health insurance and dental insurance and, and so on and so forth, right? Um, so it's, it's very different. Um, the, the minimum wage in France at the moment is 1,300 euros. That's the minimum wage. Um, to live comfortably in, in Paris, you're probably going to need 2,000 to 2,200 euros. Um, you'll be spending uh, under just about 50% of that on on accommodation. If you're a young single person, you're, you're somewhere between 900 and, and 1,200 euros on accommodation. Um, and then you'd have another thousand bucks um, to spend throughout the throughout the month. Um, that's that's I'd say that's a uh, a good starting wage um, in in Paris. Um, if you're going into uh, I would say uh, companies, um, good salaries will be starting at like three and a half to four thousand uh, take home. That's a that's a 
there you're 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 in management. You're basically in a in a management role, and you're leading people and teams, and, and um, you know you you got a you got a business unit at three and a half to four thousand. So, um, our starting salary at reception is one thousand eight hundred fifty. So it's uh it's about five hundred fifty euros, which is like seven hundred seven hundred fifty bucks more than than uh, minimum wage. Um, after six months, if if they're going through the trial period, we like the improvement and the onboarding, and we like their attitude and stuff. They then get an uh, they get a bump of a, another hundred euros, which is about one hundred twenty twenty bucks. Um, then, when they become what we call just a, a receptionist, so they've come through their trial period after a year, they then get another hundred bucks. So they move to about two thousand within a year, um, and then they can do different tasks, which will give them an extra bonus. Like so, if someone's handling social media, they get another two hundred uh, euros a month, which is like two hundred fifty bucks, and so on and so forth. And we've put in place a system of bonuses now on results. So um, the bonus can go from anywhere from 300 euros a month um, to 790 euros a month net. So that's that's in the in their account, um, um, and that's based on uh, revenue for the box and net growth numbers. Um, so if they hit a certain revenue with zero net growth, there's a bonus. Hit extra revenue with zero net growth, there's a bigger bonus. Extra revenue with there's another bigger bonus. And then on each of those levels of, of revenue, if you're doing five net growth and 10 net growth or more than 10, the, the, it gets accelerated. The bonus gets accelerated, basically. So we, we put that in place. Um, and the goal is to pay the bonus. You know, that's, that's, we, we want to be paying the bonuses. Um, I want to be paying, you know, um, basically if I'm paying bonuses in all three boxes uh, in the month, uh, top bonus, we're paying somewhere between twelve and 15,000 a month in bonuses to the reception teams. I want to be doing that. Why? Because it means that we're, we're at the, the levels of revenue which give us breathing space and oxygen, and I know that I can afford to do that. And if I'm doing that, then these people, they have a better quality of life. They don't start to look for a job outside, or they don't start to think that this is just um, a job to fill the fridge. I can earn enough here to put aside so I can go on holiday. I can look after my sick mom. I can buy all the gifts I want to for Christmas. Um, you know, um, I can, I, I, you know, I have a... I, the security, I have a full-time contract that's signed. I have that safety. I can go to the bank and get a bank loan. I can, I can buy an apartment. I can, you know, I can tick off all my goals. If as an employer you can't help your team to fulfill their personal goals, you will not be their employer very long. They will look for somewhere else. Um, and um, so that's responsibility that I take on, uh, I think, fairly seriously. Um, and uh, why? Because when I found good people, I don't want to lose them. You know, you're saying you're saying retention or, or attrition. Attrition is where you lose them. Retention is where you retain them. I don't want to be retaining anyone. I want them to want to stay with me. You know, you have to create processes and principles, and 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 you need to be a principle-based business that that makes people want to stay with you um, because they know that they can fulfill their life's goals, not just now, but in a year, in two years' time. When you lose someone from your team, you're going to lose more members. You, the the when you when you when you scaled and you've got people working for you. Uh, your your business success is directly correlated to your ability to retain your team. You know, um, if you're losing people needlessly because you're not taking care of them, you don't understand what's going on in their lives. You don't understand when when they're down and they need a shoulder to cry on, and you, you know they don't need a kick in the nuts, or you, they don't, or you don't understand when they're just being lazy and they do need a kick in the nuts, right? And they need to be shaken up. Or um, if you're not providing an environment for these people, you'll lose them. And when you lose them, you just got this churn. And that churn leads to um, all the relationships they've built with your members will come back and bite you on the ass. But the churn means you're replacing these people that have been with you. It, ta- it takes you three years to make someone excellent in their job, right? It, it, the first year, a coach doesn't know shit from caramel. 
I mean, you look back at your first year of coaching, you probably cringe at what you're doing, right? You look at the second year, you're going, okay, I was doing some pretty good stuff. And then after three years, you're kind of like, oh, you know, not bad, right? It takes three years to get anyone a proficient in their, in their roles, especially if your role is technical. So if you're losing them after two and a half years or three years, all you've done is you made them excellent and they go elsewhere and they're, they're excellent somewhere else. And you start with a newbie again. And if you've only got newbies in your team, your service is fucking mediocre. Your, your prospecting is mediocre. Your sales are mediocre. Your integration is mediocre. Um, it, it, it's simple as that. So again, we, we said earlier about the ability to recruit, to, to intern and onboard people, train and coach them. But the coaching piece is, is, is eternal. It never, it never fucking finishes. Sometimes it's, it's coaching them through life's uh, hazards as well, right? And looking after them. And um, um, the coaching piece is, is, is ongoing forever. So you need then, once you've, once you've scaled it so much. So I don't, I'm not dealing with 49 people a day. In my boxes, we have six leaders. We have three heads of reception, three head coaches, right? I don't deal with the six people. I then have a director of training and I have a, a, a person who's in charge of ops, right? I deal with these two people. Those two people deal with the six leaders. The six leaders deal with the rest of the teams. And our teams are dealing with our 3,000, whatever it is, members, right? Um, and, uh, but don't underestimate also as leaders, you guys set the tone, you set the standard, you, you, you're the, the environment, um, the, the, the care and concern, all of that emanates from, from the leadership. You know, if you don't look after your team, you don't care about your team, your members aren't going to care about you. Uh, so your, your team's not going to care about your members. Um, and, um, so don't underestimate that either. Um, yeah, I, I can't, you got me on, yeah, you got me on this. I, I'm, I'm very passionate about this, this subject. I can't remember what your original question was, mate. You got, you got me going. Um, you got my you know what you paid your staff. So it's like 1,800 to 2,400 year on the reception front. Can you give us a yeah. breakdown on the and coaching then, side? And then, uh, so uh, just on, just on a set. So then we have different levels as well. So you have a, you have a senior receptionist as well, who's going to get paid more. Why? Because they've got a huge amount of influence over the other receptionists. They don't, they don't, it's not a leadership role. It's just that they've been there for a while. You know the others are looking at how they do things and they have the influence. And so um, they, they, they get a bump in their, in their basic as well. Um, obviously in France, um, all members of staff get five, um, five weeks of paid leave um, and so on and so forth. And then every year um, there's a slight increase in their, their basic as well. Um, in France, you have to increase the basic wage automatically by a certain amount every single year for, for, for posterity, whatever it is, right? Um, so all, all that's in there as well. Um, you then uh, contribute to a private health care as well. So if they want private health care, you as the, you as the, the employer, you're, you're paying for at least 50% of the, the health care. Um, and then the other thing is you also pay for their uh, public transport. So they, they have their bus card or whatever, and all that kind of stuff. So, so those, are, those are the little things. Um, when you become a head of reception, um, you're, then you're then earning at least 200 more than the top paid receptionist. And then there are different different levels throughout that. Um, you get past the twelve months, and then then yearly we're increasing your we're increasing your basic. Um, the 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 most ahead of reception is being paid at the moment um, is four thousand euros a month uh, net, um, which is which is a good wage. That's that's uh, um, in in France four thousand will put you in the I'd say it's probably the top twenty five percent of the the the, the country uh, in terms of salary. Yeah, and that's costing you about eight thousand euros. Yep. as the owner. Yeah. So, so the equivalent of like a six-figure salary, basically, in the yep. U.S. Yeah, yeah. But they, 
they have the responsibility of the success of the box. You know, um, the the he- the head coaches are actually getting a little bit less um, because they don't have that stress. You know, they don't they don't of of the results, um, financial results, um, uh, the levers, the joiners, the net growth, um, the freezes. Um, you know, and and the secondary secondary spend. You know, all the the, the fridge, t-shirts, all that kind of stuff. They they don't they don't have um, that responsibility. Developing coaches, our, our head coaches. So officially in France, you only work 35 hours a week, right? Lazy, whatever you want to call it. But that's, that's, it's a very different, uh, you know, France, people don't work 50 hours a week. They work 35, you know, they, they work to live. They don't, they don't live to work. Um, so in 35 hours, I asked my head coaches um, not to coach more than 10 hours and not to coach less than five. So no fewer than five, no more than 10. Why? Because I want the rest of their time um, developing coaches. The rest of the time should be assisting another coach or observing, taking notes and giving official feedback. And all of our coaches will receive official feedback at least twice a month, depending on where you are in your learning curve. If you're an intern, you're going to be receiving feedback three times a week. Um, if you're a junior coach, you'll be receiving feedback at least once a week, so on and so forth. And so we have a, we have a development program for our coaches. I hope I'm going the right way for the camera, right? But so you have an intern down here who does 15 hours a week. They don't get paid. Um, they go to, in France, you have to go to university to become a coach. You've got to do a university course for 10 months. During that university course, you have to intern in a gym for 15 hours. So we have interns in each gym, 15 hours. From an intern, if at the end of those 10 months, we like you and you like working with us and we've taken you through what we think is the correct learning curve, and we like your attitude and stuff, we will hire you as a junior coach, right? So the junior coach comes on. They can only coach um, uh, the, the, the work out of the day. They can't coach any specialty. They can't do uh, initiation sessions for newbies. They can't do PT. They can't do anything else. They're just going to get their hours and they're going to get their, they're gonna, they're gonna get their, 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 their wings, right? Um, coaching wad and eating a shit ton of hours and getting a shit ton of feedback as a junior coach. As a junior coach, um, our coaches were earning 20 euros an hour, which is like 26 bucks um, uh, um, an hour. Um, of that net for them is about 85%. So once they've paid whatever, because um, they're independent coaches, right? All these coaches, except for our head coaches. Our head coaches are employees. The, the independent coaches, um, we're getting that. And then you go to a normal coach. So if you get a green light from the head coach, um, as a junior coach to become a coach, you have to pass your level two. Uh, so I forgot to mention, as an intern, you have to pass your level one. We pay for the level one. We also pay for the level two, right? Um, so as an intern, you have to get a green light. You've got to get your university degree and you've got to get your level one, right? The green light means the head coach would like to work with you and have you as a coach on, the, on board. You go from intern to uh, junior coach. Junior coach, green light, get your level two, right? And then from there, you can become a coach. When you become a coach, you can then do PT in the box um, and you take the revenue for PT. There's a kickback to the box of $10 per PT, which is really low. Um, so if you're charging 90 bucks uh, for PT, 80 is yours and 10 is for the 10 is for the gym. I could take more. Why don't I? For for several reasons. One is I don't need to. I'm sufficiently successful not to need to eat off the PT. Um, two is I want my coaches to get to that level two level. I want my coaches to be earning really good money. But in order to be able to do PT, you have to coach. It used to be eight hours a week, but you have to coach at least four hours of group classes now for us a week. And, they, and you have to be getting green lights, which means you have to be fucking good coaching workouts for us. You have to be in it. You've got to be focused. You've got to be doing your lesson plan. You've got to be giving the best of your coaching to our groups. 
If you do that, you can coach within our walls. And you can bring outside clients to our gyms as well. But the kickback on outside clients is 15 an hour, not 10. Right? So once you're a coach, um, you can do all that. Then you can go to senior coach. How do you get the senior coach? Green light from the head coach. You get your level three. Right? You get those things, you go to senior coach. At senior coach, sorry, at, at coach, you're getting um, a three euros more, so like four bucks an hour more. And then when you go to senior coach, you're getting another four bucks an hour more. So by then you're earning eight to $10 an hour more than you were as a junior coach. When you get to senior coach, you can still PT, you can do wads, but you can do specialty courses and you can give our on-ramp, which are like initiation sessions. That's when you're level three coach. Um, and uh, at level three, if you want to become a senior leader, you go on a list of senior leadership. And senior leader is basically, where do you want to be in five years time? You want to be owning your own gym? Do you want to be a head coach? What do you want to be doing, right? Um, if, if none of that, then you don't need to become a senior leader. But if you want to learn about um, uh, leading people, not managing people, but leading people, you want to learn about operating a gym and not just the coaching side and what the head coach does, but also the reception side, what a receptionist will do, what a head of reception will do. Um, the idea is to prepare you for the future. And it's a way for us, th this, 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 this curve here, we've got coaches that are with us since 2011. They're still with us 13 years later, right? Um, and, they, and they may stop somewhere along the line, but they stop where it suits them. I just want to be giving 15 hours of PT a week and coach uh, five, six classes a week, and I'm earning good money. I'm looking after my mom, and you know, um, I'm dating all the hot chicks in Paris. I have coaches like that. It's fine. Right? I have other guys who want to open their gyms in two years' time. Okay. You've got a two-year window now to move from where you are now to get to the, the, the future leadership program. And then we will open up everything we do. We'll put you on our management courses. We'll put, we'll put you on our, our, our prospecting courses, our sales courses, our coaching courses, our coaching development courses. We'll put you on all of that. Um, so we have, we have that in place for our coaches. So money is one of the elements for the coaches. But what will attract coaches and retain them is not just money. It's the whole environment you're creating. And the environment we've tried to create is one of development where you can choose your future. A, you have to understand when you're coaching with us, you're a professional coach. You're not some part-time coach. You're not, a, you're not a fireman giving four hours. When you're here, you're coaching. You may still be a fireman, but I want you to be able to earn enough money coaching that one day you can afford to give up being a fireman if you want to. Um, and uh, that's how we, that's how we, we, we develop it. And, you know, and then when you become a head coach, you become a, a full-time employee for the company. And then we have director of training. Director of training, his role is coaching the three head coaches. So the head coaches, what do they earn? Um, they're allowed to do some PT as well. So they work 35 hours uh, evaluating and developing um, the coaches and, and, and the service side. Of that, they'll coach between five and 10 hours. But they can do PT as well for us. They can develop different business models as well. So... Um, they can develop, for example, um, silver surfer training. Um, so the get 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 the wrinkles in. You know, guys like me, um, over fifties, and girls like me over fifties, um, and revenue split fifty fifty. So the person who develops that business model gets fifty percent of the revenue. The gym gets the other fifty percent. Uh, teens and kids, uh, fifty percent of the revenue comes to us. Fifty percent. Um, a running club, fifty percent to the person running the money, and so on and so forth. Right? Um, so those are opportunities that we give to our future leaders and head coaches as well. Um, and yeah, um, it works pretty well. You know, um, what we're paying our head coaches now, I would say that maybe only 15, 20% of box owners in France are paying themselves.
um, as as a head coach with not much stress or pressure. Um, they they have a relatively easy ride of it. Um, yeah, the 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 take home from us without all their PT and stuff is around two and a half thousand euros, which is about three three thousand two in dollars. Might not seem like like a lot in dollars, but you know, um, cost of living in in Europe is 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 not the same as the US. So um, um, and 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 they get bonused as well. So on, the bonus that we give to receptionists and and the heads of reception, the head coach is involved in that as well. Why? Because if the service is really fucking good. Your members want to stay. If your service is really fucking good, your trial sessions want to join, and so on and so forth, right? So, um, yeah, they're, they're involved in that as well. Yeah, so it sounds like the top end, they're doing seventy to 75,000, like the U.S. equivalent, which on our data shows that that's uh, substantially more than the average box owner is making. But, um, you know, I think, I think seven or eight PT sessions, coach five to six classes and date all the hot girls in Paris should be your job description. And that's cool. That should be the headline of <laughs> no, all your, you, of all your attract, jobs there. You'd attract all the, all the wankers. You, you wouldn't, you wouldn't attract, you wouldn't attract the people that really care. Um, but so your Instagram would be you, huge. Yeah. But, uh, um, when we, when we do a, when we do, um, when we do job announcements, we actually say, you know, if you want to be a professional coach, then this is your place. You want a place to train. Don't come and work for us. You want a place to qualify for It'll a be semis, 120 euros. Uh, you know, don't, yeah, yeah, just, just <laughs> go and, you know, uh, join a gym. Um, you want a place to, to, um, uh, you know, that you think will be easy to work in. You know, when we're hiring an intern, we paint a really bleak picture. You know, you want to, you want to go into a gym and like cross your arms for 15 hours, you know, and, and, and have an easy time. Don't fucking come here. You want to just tick a box for your university degree. Don't come here. You want to learn for 15 hours. And in 10 months time, be able to really coach a fucking class of CrossFit, then come here. You're ready to take feedback every single day. So they come in three, three times a week, five hours. Every time they come in, they're going to be getting feedback from the head coach. If you're ready to take the feedback and you're ready to work and come back and do a better job next time, then this is the place for you. I won't make it easy for you, but when you finished, you'll be going, shit, this wasn't a waste of time. Um, so we we actually do the reverse. We actually play. We actually paint uh, a, a pretty harsh. You know, I never said this would be an easy place to work. <laughs> I keep I say that all the time. I never say this would be an easy place to work because I also said uh, I mentioned earlier that you know leadership creates the environment, and and that retaining your team is important. But if you have to weaken your standards or your expectations to retain your team, it's it's a, it that's a that's a, a vicious circle. Um, you have to maintain your standards and expectations. Don't weaken that in order to retain people, right? Upskill them, give them feedback, care and concern, make them good enough to fulfill those expectations. Don't don't lower your expectations. Otherwise, you, you can't be successful long term. Um, that may sound a bit hard nosed, but I, I, I truly believe that. Yeah, I, I guess I wanted to shift gears just slightly because you've mentioned PT now and you've mentioned that you're on board with retrials or, or it sounds like you do. Um, we have talked to a lot of gym owners over the past year who are succeeding with a small group personal training model. And these are four to six people in a, in a group session and they're able to charge more for this type of session. At the same time, we have data that shows that the for CrossFit affiliates in the US on average, it's like six people per class. They're not packing out their classes. So they're charging large group rates for giving essentially a semi-private experience um, we have seen some clients we work with disaffiliate and then change up their offerings to do more semi-private options. 
it sounds like your mission though is to um, bring CrossFit to a broader audience. It sounds like you purposely price your memberships, you know, kind of in the mid to high range so that more people can, can join. So um, I guess what's your philosophy? What's your, what's your position what's on that, personal position training? On PT. On PT, right? yeah. semi-privates and um, you know, how you see um, CrossFit fitting into this larger conversation. I, I um, listen, uh, for me, you know, people can call it functional training. I call it CrossFit because no one knew what the fuck functional training was before CrossFit existed, right? Um, my, my goal is, I, I, it's now I'm 50 and I can, I trained this morning. Um, I then kicked the football with my son. Um, I then was carrying a heavy bed down the stairs. Uh, I'm fitter than most 30 year olds. That's what we want to gift as many people as possible. I, I, you know, um, I want people to be like me, not what I saw the last years of my dad's life being, you know, um, uh, where he'd worked hard all his, his whole life, but the, his generation just didn't have the knowledge that we have now, you know, the L1 kernel and what Greg has given us is, is, is life changing when you adopt it. And, um, if all we're doing is we're doing PT, then I'm excluding 95% of the population who can't afford to do PT. Um, but if all I'm doing is group class, then I'm excluding those that maybe are intimidated by group class or those that would like a more intimate setting. I don't believe it's one or the other. I think it's both. Um, I think some people want PT. They're, they're, they don't want to be mixing with 20 people or 15 people. They want that really individualized attention. Some don't necessarily want the individualized attention. They just don't want to be in large groups. You know, they don't, all the fear of like, shit, you know, I, I don't know how to train. I'm not going to do it in public. You know, these people are walking on their hands. I can't do that. You know, I'm going to go with a PT. I feel, I feel safe, right? So sometimes PT is a feeder into group class, right? And then sometimes group class is a feeder into PT, you know? It's like, shit, I'm loving this group stuff. This is really cool. But I, I'm really shit at, at, at weightlifting or, you know, my, my squat is lousy. You know, my technique is useless or whatever it is, right? And then they go and, they go and take a PT to improve certain things. So I think they're, they're complementary. I think you need to find a balance. Um, what I do know is that I really enjoy bringing people together. I, I enjoy groups. I like that vibe. You know, I like it. Uh, we had Diane as a workout in the box yesterday and the atmosphere was fucking electric. Why? Because as people came off, they peeled off and went to the next person that hadn't finished yet. And then you got 15 people fucking clapping in the last, you know, and the last person invariably had never done Diane before. They go, what the fuck's going on? <laughs> Finish. You know, they got fucking, you know, um, for me, that's magical. That, and that, that's part of, that's part of a box. I, and I just love that atmosphere. I couldn't see myself running just a PT gym. I think, I think it, there, there's room for both. There's room for both. And, and, and you, can, you can do your prices to make, make both work, you know. Um, but I think also as membership options, you can get smart on that. You, know, you, um, you can have high average membership, which then enables you to afford to offer a lower membership. Maybe it's an off-peak membership. Maybe it's a once or twice a week membership, you know. Uh, for people who are doing, you know, um, they're playing soccer and they can't afford, they can't afford a hundred bucks a month, but they might be able to afford 60 bucks a month to come in once a week, you know? And so you can afford to do that when you've got sufficient revenue from, from your other offerings, right? Um, so, um, um, I, pricing is, 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 is very important. Getting it right is very important. Your membership options are very important and you shouldn't be dictated to by the system that you're using, the, the software system. 
you should find a software system that supports what you want to be offering as memberships and access and that kind of stuff, right? Um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of both. I'm a fan of both PT and group sessions. And then the small group stuff, six people for me is not, is not, uh, it's not PT. Six people is a, is a class, you know? Six people is a small class, you know? Um, if you're doing PT, you're doing ones, twos, maybe threes. Um, go by three. I mean, that's how Greg started CrossFit, right? He was PTing and then everyone, went, and he didn't have enough time. So like, shit, I've got to take two people per class. Do you mind, hey, instead of charging a hundred bucks, I charge you 75, but there are two of you in. And then he's making 150 an hour, not a hundred, but he's teaching two people. And then it was three people. And that's how um, group classes started in CrossFit, right? Well, so, that's um, where I, I, you bring that in. You, it's interesting you bring that up because there are some people who are would say, well, that's what it's supposed to be, right? It's not supposed to be this large group thing with barbells in a warehouse. It was originally supposed to be this this small, he, you know, this smaller group atmosphere where you could coach and focus on uh, the technique because that's how Greg did it, right? I mean, obviously, then he he got bigger too. But yeah, listen, um, if you if you've been in this business for for more than three years and you can only coach six people, giving them the personalized attention you need to put yourself in a different growth environment and you need to go get some feedback from someone who's a really good coach. <laughs> that's my personal opinion. You know? And if you, you know, I know, I think that's true. If you, if you go to us, if you go to a level one, those, those guys in the seminar staff, they're able, they do it beautifully. You know, they're they're So I think, I think you, you raise a good counterpoint. Yeah. But I do think some of those people are the owners. <laughs> So yeah. there is, a, yeah, yeah, it yeah. isn't, you yeah. know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but you yeah. can, you know, but it's, so I, I, you can't hold a grudge against them for it. Um, a lot of these, a lot of the owners haven't had the opportunity to go and get different reference points. You know, they, they haven't been able to go and, um, drop into a box with a level four trainer who's, who's teaching 15 people, um, better than I could teach four, you know? Um, and, uh, they've got a, they've got a teaching system. that's amazing. They can see and correct and they're, they're using, you know, uh, verbal visual tactile cues and they're, they're on fire and it's, and, and it finishes at 59 minutes and 59 seconds, you know, and everyone's fucking smiling and sweating and like that. until you've seen it done, you know, I was lucky. I went out to, um, uh, it was, uh, Reebok CrossFit one that, um, Austin Maliolo, Denise Thomas, Spencer Hendel, those were the three coaches there. So, so go figure, right? I mean, those three names, right? Um, and I went out there for two weeks and I went back again for another two weeks. I took some coaches and that was an amazing experience for me because I was like, well, this CrossFit thing's great, but honestly, how can I serve enough people to make sure that, you know, we can pay high rents in Paris. And I went out there and I saw Austin prepare a class. He got out 25 boxes, right? So they, they had this huge hanger and obviously, you know, it was, it was, it was at the Reebok uh, headquarters in Canton, Massachusetts. And he got out 25 boxes. And he got out 25 pairs of dumbbells. And it was, I can't remember what the workout was, but it was obviously, it was box step-ups or jumps and there was a press in it, right? And he taught a class of 50 people. And it was, it was teams of two with one box, one pair of dumbbells. And it was the best fucking class. Everyone had a wild time. Fitness was achieved for 50 people. He knew their names. I was like, that is how you scale a fucking class. And he was assisted by, um, uh, uh, I think her name was Allison. He was assisted by, by Allison. I was like, that, that, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. That was a, and it was a 25 to one ratio. I'm going, shit, that's really high. Actually, these guys are as good at 25 to one than most coaches are eight to one or 10 to one. And that's how good I wanted to get the coaches. And I was like, that's how you can scale it and, and give CrossFit to, to more people. Um, yeah, I, 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 I think if you're limited to six to one and you think that's as much you can do, Man, you know, um, 
go go shadow people you know uh, uh, go back onto level two go visit some boxes that are successful go find some coaches that are that are, that are pretty cool um go to the, the i don't know if it still exists but the cdp um I, as soon as it came out the cdp with denise thomas and and austin mariolo um i invited them i said how much would it cost to get you guys over to france for a week i want you to give a week's cdp to my head coaches and coaches and it cost a shit ton of money but again i was sufficiently successful to have that shit ton of money to pay them to come over and that revolutionized my boxes. It revolutionized the, 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 um, uh, that one week revolutionized what we gave in the three boxes. Um, so the, the more successful you are, the more you can invest in order to give good service. And then again, giving good service next to the, the more successful you're going to be, right? It's that virtuous circle. So, um, yeah, shake the tree, become successful. So there you have it. You want uh, 3,000 members? You just got to pay Denise Thomas and Austin Maliola to come <laughs> yeah. to your box for a week. Hats off to them both. Hats off to them both. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, Daniel, we didn't, even, we didn't even get to some of the topics that I had there. We'll have to have you come yeah, back on or back. maybe do uh, a, Listen, a live one when, we, when we rub shoulders at the games this year. Whenever. Are you guys going to Waterpalooza at all? Maybe we Maybe. live like we live like a ninety-minute drive away, so hey, then, we're, we're still you know, trying to sort out all the travel. Then, if if you're coming down to Waterpalooza, coffee's on me, um, and uh, yeah, um, I'll be there. I'll be there the, the whole time. Um, come by the CrossFit booth, and um, uh, I think uh, Don's going to be there. Um, I know Austin's going to be there. Um, yeah, there'll be a few of us hanging around. So come and come and come and have chats, man. You know, and if you want to do, um, honestly, you, you don't invite me back. It's been a pleasure. Um, your questions are on point and it's really good to talk about this stuff because I, I think I think traditionally at CrossFit we've been very good at talking to coaches level ones level twos level three specialty courses and so on and so forth but we haven't been very good at talking to affiliate owners and um, that's changed over the past like year and a half and it and it and your your line of questioning and what you're focusing on is exactly what I think um, most affiliate owners need um, so yeah with, with pleasure just let me know so, Daniel, thanks again for coming on. We're looking forward to having you back on the show. Hope this was helpful to some of you affiliate owners. And if, even if you aren't in the CrossFit space, there's a lot you can learn from the way Daniel is doing things because it, it is very different than the average person that we have on the show. Uh, be sure to like, subscribe, leave a hateful comment, and we will see you next week, Jim Borland.